and this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are back into the Bible study for the day, but before we get into the Bible study, we need to have another clue for the quiz. And this clue, clue number three, says, I made Daniel, this is a who am I, I made Daniel the third highest ruler in my kingdom. So starting to get a little bit easier now. A somewhat obscure person in the Bible. I think they're only mentioned in one chapter of the Bible. But at the same time, a pretty famous person as well. So who is this person? If you know the answer, then the prize for today is an outstanding prize, 444 surprising quotes about the Bible from uh, all kinds of famous people. Our number is 1-800-324-843. So give us a call on that number. And this prize could be yours if you know who it was who made Daniel the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And Mon, we should, we've been doing this uh, for the past week. We probably should keep it going for a couple more days um, just so that people don't forget and don't miss it. But if you get a poor signal, what's the solution? Oh, it's very easy peasy lemon squeezy. There's actually several things you can do. My favorite is uh, for you to download the Tune In app. Now, you can get a free version of the app when it tells you to pay, don't pay, just click the little X in the corner and just get the free version. It works just as well. And search for Faith FM Australia. So I don't know, should we explain what TuneIn app is? We keep mentioning I'm not sure people know what it is. It's like a conglomerate radio app. Yeah, you and can get actually, all kinds of radio stations yeah. on it, but the only one you're going to want to listen to is Faith FM Australia, of course. It's a bit like one of those websites that, that collates all the hotels in the world and you can go and like choose which hotel you want to stay at and book it through that website. So it brings them all together. Yep. So it's an app that brings all the radio stations in the world together and uh, and you can you can like listen to radio that's broadcasting in I don't know Timbuktu. It's really cool. But why would you? When but why fa- would you? When there's Faith FM available, yeah, because we'll send you prizes twice a show. <laughs> and if you don't listen to us, we will send you a note saying why are you not listening to us? <laughs> don't get scared. We don't know if you're not listening. <laughs> there's no way for us to tell that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, download the TuneIn app. It's free to download. It's a really cool app. Search for Faith FM Australia. Add us to your favorites. You can listen all day, every day. Just and, and through if you play it through whatever your device, whether it's a phone or a tablet or you know some sort of pad thing uh you can actually plug that device into you know into your car stereo you just play it into your stereo at home you can just play it out of your pocket in your headset however you like we have listeners who who listen on their tractor and uh, and plug their headset in that way it's really great um of course you can also just go uh to the website i have a couple of friends who have so many apps on their phone they don't have space for another app <laughs> and so they have to go to the website faithfm.com.au and uh, there's a live stream button you can click on that and uh, follow through until you get to the play and just press play it's really easy or of course if you're like do you know what stuff this whole device thing i just want to listen to it on a regular old wireless uh, you can make that happen it's a <laughs> bit more of a process, you got to call us here, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843, and request to have the live broadcast uh, in your area. And maybe you'd like to make a donation to upgrade to the internet connection yeah. so that that can happen in yes. your area. Yes, indeed. That would be even more amazing. Okay, so very quick uh, point that I do need to make. The interview that we just had with uh, Dr. Arlene Taylor was one that I recorded yesterday. She is a very, very busy person, and so I recorded that yesterday, spoke about uh, her meeting. Meetings tomorrow night. That's actually tonight. Um, if you go Ooh. to her website, just uh, Google Dr. Arlene Taylor and you can find her complete speaking schedule for her uh, current Australian tour. Amazing. So Amazing. To, yes, 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 yes. Just 
most outstanding information you will ever come across. It will blow your mind. But uh, we need to get on with our Bible study and let's go. Well, this is an interesting question that our Bible study begins with. This is the 20 million movement, so 20 million people around the world all studying the same passage of the Bible together. Yes. Let's go to Genesis 2 and verse 7. And the question that is raised is this. In the following passages, how would you characterize the Bible's view of the human body? We were having an interesting discussion with uh, the producers off air about this subject that you missed, Mon. Oh, my bad. It was a good discussion. It was very profitable. What what did you come to a conclusion of? We came to a conclusion that uh, in different cultures at different periods in history, uh, the view, the humanity's view of the human body has um, changed and had very many different manifestations, I guess would be the right uh, way to describe it. And so some cultures have had a very negative view towards the human body. Some cultures have had a very positive view. Some cultures have had a very blasé view of the human body uh, or towards the human body. But Genesis 2 and verse 7, if you could start for us there, please, Mon. But I was going to say, do you reckon the changes are negative or positive? Some of them are very negative and some of them are very positive. Okay, okay. So, um, so if you look at our culture right now, yeah. um, we have some negative views of the human body where um, we tend to – oh, I'm going to step on some, some toes here – but we tend to be judgmental about people's body shapes and sizes and so yes. forth. Yep. And body shape and size is not the issue. That's right. Good health is the issue. Correct. And so if a person is healthy, that's what we really should be concerned about. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than appearance, and so we should be we should be campaigning and fighting for good health. Um, and you know, God has given us a body; um, it is the only body we will ever have. And so we should thank God for the body that He gave us, and um, yeah, and just keep that in the best possible condition that we can for the glory of God. The only body we'll ever, 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 ever have on this earth. Thank you. Yes, on you this just, earth. A lot of people just suddenly went, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to get that glorified body. We've been hanging out for that my whole life. Yeah, okay. Okay, Genesis 2 and verse 7, what does the Bible teach us? The Bible says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Okay. Does God make junk? No. So when God made the human body, was it junk? Absolutely not. Did God look at the human body and say, ah, I did a fair job, but, you know, it's a little bit ugly? No, dude. It was this piece de la resistance. It was the crowning act. It was. Yeah. We were made in the image of God. Uh Uh-huh. And then, of course, he continues on from there. And the interesting thing about, you know, this, we we talked with uh, Barand about this yesterday, is how that... You know, when God made humans, he got his hands dirty. Mm, When he made everything else, he spoke it into existence. When he made humans, he got his hands dirty. This was a very, very personal um, procedure where God formed us out of the dust of the ground. It shows that he wants to get involved with us. It's an indication of how he wants our our relationship with him to keep going from there on in. He wants us to be involved together. But it also shows us that the human body is a beautiful and amazing thing. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's go over to Psalm 63 and verse 1. It gives you a different perspective when you realize that God took extra special care with your body when he created us. Yeah, that's right. 
And, and and it sort of gives you an impression that in return we should be taking extra special care of our own body. Psalms 63 and verse 1. What have you got for us there, Mon? I have got some pages turning. Oh, here we go. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Okay, so it uses the uh, the imagery here of a of a uh, parched and a weary land, uh, but it also identifies for us that we were created to be the friend of God. Amen. And there is a God-shaped hole inside of every single person, and every single person is looking for that God-shaped hole to be filled. And it's like when, when, when God is not there and God is not present, it's like being in a parched and a thirsty environment. You know, when you're just dying of thirst and you've got to get some liquid into you, that's what it's like. Uh, and that's, what, of course, why so many people mess up their lives because they keep shoving the wrong thing into that hole and it will never fit and it will never fill that particular hole. I thought it was interesting what Arlene Taylor was saying about the importance of, you know, water and diet to the brain. And so interesting. Yeah, and you know, if you think about it, what you're sticking in your mouth will affect who you become and your capabilities, which will also affect your relationships. So, yeah. 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 Yep. We could, so we could we could take this uh, literally and we could also take it figuratively. So yeah. That's right. And uh, Psalms eighty four and verse two says a similar thing, my soul longs Yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. We were created to be in communion with God. Okay, First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20. Some really, really key verses here, Mon, that uh, I want you to share with us. So that's First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. What have you got for us there? Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Okay. So the Bible says that we are to honor God with our body. What does it actually mean that uh, we have been bought with a price and we're to honor God with our body? Well, God paid a really high price for us. He paid the highest price that can be paid. He paid with the blood of his son. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that means that he must think that you are of incredible value. Oh, just unbelievable value. I think sometimes we look at ourselves, we look at ourselves in the mirror and it's like, yeah, you know what? This does not look like something that is of incredible value. Um and yet God looks at us um, and God sees us exactly as we are and he's like, you know what, this is of such value, I would give my life for it. Yeah, and I, do you know what, like, I think it's worthy to note that just because God values us so highly doesn't actually mean that we are some perfect little creature. We're actually really? deeply flawed and hor- horrendously addicted to our sins, but God loves us in spite of that. Just so- burst my bubble. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who think, oh, because God values us so highly, it must mean because we're so good. But it's ab- doesn't absolutely yeah, it's does true. not it's mean It's very, that very all. true. Absolutely it's, not yeah. true. And, uh, you know, we're, we're bought with a price, the Bible says, that means that our body does not belong to us. That's right. You can't do with something 
you can't treat something that belongs to somebody else just however you want to treat it. You know, some people was like, well, you know, it's my body, it's my life, it belongs to me, and if I choose to, you know, do this to my body or that to my body or something else to my body, then that's my choice. That's not the case. No. It's not your body. It does not belong to you. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He bought it with his own blood. He's purchased it. And so we need to look after it for him, for his glory and for his honor. And that's irrespective of whether or not we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Whether or not we accept the gift of eternal life, um, he still paid for us. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, so all of this is in the context of this week's study, which is going to be a most interesting study. Um, I've often thought of preaching a sermon on this subject and never been game to. Ooh, do a little practice run, Lyle. On this, this week's study today. is all about... The Song of Solomon. <laughs> Controversy! Okay, so what is the Song of Solomon all about, Mon? One word. Sex. <laughs> That's love, right. Love, love. It's all about sex. This week's Bible study is all about sex. And so if that hasn't caught your attention, then I don't know that anything is going to catch your attention. It seems that the moment we use the word sex... Uh, Little old ladies fall off their chairs, well, clutching we, their ears. <laughs> you know that's not actually the case, isn't it? No, it's not actually the case. Okay, a lot of them are pricking up their ears and listening more closely. Um, but it's just a stereotype that we like to give to certain portions of our society. Actually, yeah, I know some little old ladies who definitely don't fall off chairs. In fact, some of them, like my good friend who went to Kenya with me, is probably turning the radio up right now, aren't you? <laughs> aren't you? Good morning to you. I know you're listening. <laughs> Shout out to her. Love her. <laughs> Absolutely. Sex is a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. It's a gift from God. And, of course, anything that is really, really good is something that Satan tries to pervert. And so this is why That's the right. Bible says some negative things about you know things that you shouldn't do. Um, with, you know, lays down some boundaries. But you know what's interesting when you look at what the Bible says about sex is how few prohibitions there actually are in the Bible. That's true. And it's, it's, you know, it's interesting to note that all of the gifts that God has given us, that Satan's tried to pervert them, and it almost seems the better the gift, the harder he's worked at perverting them. If you look at anything like family, relationships, sex, they're often where the deepest sorrows come from because the devil's just worked overtime to pervert the best gifts that God's given us. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that um, while we have, you know, we have this this view that the Bible is just against sex, and the Bible doesn't. You know, the the you know Christians have sort of got this really strange view of what you can and you can't do. And then I think really what it is is that one of the ways that the devil has tried to pervert it has by has been by actually adding a whole bunch of rules to Christians that are not found in the Bible. Yeah, because perversion can go to either ends of the extreme scale. You can either get, um, you know, extremely. Uh, rule-less about it, get lawless about it, yep. or you can go perversion the other way where you add and add and add all these crazy rules until you have a completely distorted view of what the actual original gift was. And, of course, since Queen Victoria, you know, Queen Victoria was somebody who looked at the royal family and saw that they had gone, you know, one extreme, which was there are no rules, we will do whatever we want, 
and had lived very, very profligate lives as a result of that. And she's like, okay, we're going to stamp this out. And of course, you know, she ruled out of uh, over one out of every five people on the planet. And so, you know, it was the Victorian age that added probably more rules in relationship to sex than uh, just about any other era in history and then spread those rules around the world through Christianity, through the missionary movement and through the empire. And thus we have inherited all of that in our modern culture today. And so you have these stereotypes now. Oh, you're a Christian, then you mustn't, you know, you, d- 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 there's all these you know, rules and prohibitions and so forth. Mm. But I look at sex as being somewhat like a playground. Mm-hmm. Because it is a place where you go to enjoy each other and to enjoy each other's company and to have fun together Yeah, within a marriage relationship. And there is a fence around the playground. All good playgrounds have a fence around them. And the reason that there is a fence around the playground is so that you can enjoy it. It stops nasty things from coming in and it stops you going into areas that are going to be damaging to you. Yeah, it keeps the playground safe. And safety is a huge part of it. That fence is very simple, you know? Yeah. Um, You've basically got uh, six walls on the playground that you'll find in the Bible. Okay. Um, So I'll, I'll run through them very quickly. You shall not commit adultery. That is very simple. No sex outside of marriage. You know, that's super simple. Super simple. Uh, you shall not commit incest. You shall not commit necrophilia. You shall not commit homosexuality. You shall not commit bestiality. And you shall not have sex during menstruation. Very simple list. Very simple list. That leaves you a tremendous amount of scope within that playground to, you know, to enjoy each other's company and to, you know, to, to be a, uh, to be fulfilling to each other. So you're saying all those things are listed in the Bible? All those things that I just said are listed in the Bible. Okay. All right. And I could give you the Bible verses for each one of those. So thou shalt not commit adultery, Exodus 20, verse 14. Um, incest is mentioned in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 6 through 17. Uh, necrophilia is mentioned in Leviticus 21, verse 11. Homosexuality in Leviticus 18, 20, Romans chapter 1, etc. A few different places there. Uh, bestiality, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 23. Um, and menstruation, Leviticus 18, verse 19, and 20, verse 18. So there you go. It's really simple. Very, very simple, very, very straightforward, and gives us lots of opportunity to uh, to really explore and to enjoy um, this important part of humanity. And, you know, when you think about it, the Bible would be incomplete if it did not have a book that was all about sex. That's true. Because the Bible speaks to everything that is important for humans. And sex is one of the most important things for humans. Because um, without it, we wouldn't produce any more humans. Well, this is true. This yeah. is true. We'd be extinct. Um, but it's also something that, you know, creates more love, more joy, more happiness than just about anything else and create also creates more hurt, more pain, uh, more strife than anything else because, you know, the devil has messed it up. So how could you have the Bible and not have a book entirely dedicated to the subject of sex? Yeah, it's a really good question, a really good point. Um, the, the Bible would be completely incomplete. You know, and some people, you know, have argued that the book of Solomon, Song of Solomon should not be in the Bible mm-hmm. because, you know, the Bible shouldn't talk about sex. Um, some have, you know, particularly during medieval periods and so forth, have fought very, very hard to have it not included in the Bible because, you know, it's definitely X-rated. I think that's just, that's just a ploy of the devil, to be honest. Uh, but there is a... You know, this is this is this is in the Bible for a very very good reason to show that you know God understands what hum- humans are like and and what human needs are, 
It's important to note that the wanting to add anything or, or subtract anything from the Bible is definitely you know a motivation designed by the devil. Yeah. Be very careful of that. That's right. So this is a book that we need to look at, and we have a whole week to look at the book of Song of Solomon. Let's go to Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. No better place to start that in the, than in the first two verses. I just want to say, before we read this, I do like how balanced um, the Bible is about sex because, you know, like you said, you know, the different um, eras in our history where we've been on one end of that extreme spectrum of having too many rules or having not enough rules, and it is our human nature to let the pendulum swing between each. So once, you know, the Victorian era was sick of that, they swung out the other side. Yeah, that's right. Completely what we have end. in our world right now is a reaction against Victorian values and of sexuality. Of, yeah, so we're like always Where between extremism and it's great to know that the Bible is like straight in the middle, completely balanced. But we'll talk about that and we'll read uh, Song of Solomon out loud on air. Uh, very scandalous. Right after this song, this is for King and Country, O oh God Forgive Us. We're praying the prayer with no reply Words float off into the night couldn't cut out time with the sharpest knife Oh, oh, God forgive us Silence isn't comfortable We'll drive through peace and instant hope A shallow faith that has left us broke Oh, oh, God forgive us
Booking and country, oh God, forgive us here on Faith FM. We are in the book of Solomon and we are talking about sex. Yes, we are. Okay, so our, qu- our next question is um, in the context of sexual relations, is um, the, a positive view of the human body in the context of sexual relations is reflected in the Song of Solomon. How do these texts reveal this attitude? So we're going to read some verses here and we're going to find out what kind of a positive view of you know the human body um, is given in the book of Song of Solomon. So we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2 says, This is Solomon's Song of Songs, more wonderful than any other. Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. Okay, so Solomon really sort of, uh, he doesn't, you know, uh, lead in with, you know, some, he just gets straight to the point, doesn't he? Yeah. This is, uh, and this is what you're going to find in Song of Solomon. It is romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, it is erotic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, it, it speaks plainly, and it speaks plainly about the human body and the beauty of the human body and the beauty of sexual relationships and the pleasure that a husband and wife gain, you know, from simple things just like kissing each other, although it gets much more detailed than, of course, just kissing each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's go over to, we've got a bunch of verses here that we can read. Let's go to verse 13. Verse 13, let me just turn the page here. It's a, a young couple talking to each other, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. This is uh, this is assumed to be uh, and believed to be Solomon's first wife. Um, she was a Shulamite girl. She was a dark-skinned girl, um, and uh, she was a peasant girl. And apparently, she didn't know he was uh, who he was. Yeah, when they first she, courted. That's right. She, he sort of um, you know was was um, kept that to himself, and of course. It's believed that she died very young in childbirth, and it was after her death that Solomon lost it and tried to fill that hole rather than, you know, filling that empty hole in his heart with uh, filling it with God and finding somebody else to be his lifelong partner. He just filled it with, you know, more and more and more women in a desperate bid to to heal the hurt, heal the pain, and uh, yeah, a bit of a trap for men. Um, this is not a solution. It will never solve the problem. It will only ever make it worse. It certainly made it worse for Solomon, but this is a beautiful song that he writes right here. 13 says, My lover is like a sachet of myrrh lying between my breasts. Okay, so this is the Song of Solomon. You need to understand this. It alternates between what he says and what she says. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, where he talks about, you know, um, uh, her lover. Um, you know, as a, as a, as a bundle of myrrh um, lying all night between her breasts. You know, is the is the body here? Is the Bible speaking here of the body as an embarrassing thing? No, they're very frank about it. Very frank about it, and very honouring towards it. Yeah. Very open about it, and very open about how good and how positive and how nice a thing the human body is. Yeah, the in within their frankness, they're not in any way being crude. There's no shame here yeah. whatsoever at all. Okay, Genesis 2 and verse 6. Genesis 2 and verse 6 says... Sorry, not Genesis. What did I say Genesis for? I was just wondering. I was going to say the back of the front of the Bible. Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 6. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. It's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's cute. I think anybody can read this and go, 
You know what? And, and, and as a man, I can read the Song of Solomon and go, that's very powerful, very erotic. I think a woman can read it and say, that is so romantic. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> you know, it's, it really is a book inspired by the Holy Spirit because it is a book that both sexes can read and really, really appreciate. And it's really cute because women love it when men hold their heads when they kiss. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That hand on the back of the head is just where the magic is. <laughs> and this is where it started, right here in the Bible. There you go. Okay, so if you want some uh, some clues to uh, spice things up in your love life, spend some time reading the Song of Solomon together. Uh, yeah. In fact, divide it up as a lot of Bible divi- Bibles divide it up between what he says and what she says. And um, if you're the husband, you read the man's parts. If you're the wife, you read the, the woman's parts. It's a very special experience. Okay, um, chapter 5, verse 10 to 16. 5, verse 10 to 16. Let me just turn over. A bit of a passage here from 10. It's not a huge book either. Down to the end of the chapter. Okay, let's just um, start with for me in verse 10. Chapter 5, verse 10. My lover is dark and dazzling, better than 10,000 others. His head is fine as gold. His wavy hair is black as a raven. His eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. They are set like jewels washed in milk. His cheeks are like gardens of spices giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies perfumed with myrrh. His arms are like rounded bars of gold set in beryl. His body is like bright ivory glowing with lapis lazuli. His legs are like marble pillars set in sockets of finest gold. His posture is stately like the noble cedars of Lebanon. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such, O women of Jerusalem, is my lover, my friend. Okay, now you can imagine her writing this and saying it to Solomon and imagine what Solomon's ego is doing right now, right? Yeah. She is not holding back, is she? No, and I'm sure those uh, those particular descriptions were much more appreciated back then. I'm not sure if you could go some, to someone and be like, just be like, P.S., your body is like bright ivory glowing with lapis lazuli. They'd be like, say what? <laughs> so back then this would have been, you know, Yeah, but even still, even, 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 in, even in today's language, you can understand that oh, this yeah, is... Oh, yeah, she's giving props big she time. She is giving uh, tremendous compliments to his body. Yeah. She's not ashamed by his body. She's not embarrassed by his body. And she is, you know, putting it out there for everybody to know that her husband has an amazing body. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Although if a guy came up to me and was like, your eyes are like jewels washed in milk, I'd be like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, when you stop and think about it, you can kind of see how it works. Yeah, yeah, because your eyes are... You've got white in your eyes uh and you've got jewels there and he's just saying you have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. That's really... really And if a guy came up to you and said, look, you've got really beautiful eyes. That'd be nice, yeah. Exactly. And that's what's what's being said here. It's a little bit of an update on what they said, but yeah, it's the same same sentiment. Yeah, same same principle. Okay, so we're going to go over to chapter 16. And we're now going to read what he says about her body because he appreciates her body as well. I think we're going to have probably getting into chapter 16, Lyle. Chapter 7. <laughs> sorry, that was verse 16, the last verse that we read. Oh, we didn't, yeah, we did read that whole passage. Yes. Uh, chapter 7, start, in, start for us in verse 1. That's uh, so why is only eight chapters long, by the way, in case you're wondering. Seven verse one. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden! Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel is perfectly formed, like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. 
Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools in Hezbon by the gate of Bath Rambin. Your nose is as fine as the Tower of Lebanon overlooking Damascus. Okay, we have to stop right there for a moment. No, no, I think one more, one more. <laughs> okay. Your head is as majestic as Mount Carmel and the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. Oh, the king is held captive by its tresses. Oh. Okay, so he's laying it on thick right here. Yeah. But if somebody came to you, Mon, and said, hey, you've got a nose like a cedar of Lebanon. <laughs> That'd be like, yeah, you're not looking at the right nose. My nose is like blue tack. <laughs> it's very rubbery. <laughs> yeah, might not be the greatest compliment in today's in today's culture. Uh-huh. But uh, obviously, big big noses were all the go back in in those days. And uh, the other thing that I found interesting, you know, your neck is like a tower of ivory. So she's big nose and I long neck. I would not mind if someone said my neck was like a tower of ivory. I'd love to have a tower of ivory kind of style neck. Well, there you go. Okay, fantastic. All right, so there's a whole bunch of uh, more verses here. You need to read it through um, for yourself. So your homework is to sit down and read Song of Solomon. If you are a couple, then read it together. It will be a wonderful experience for you and for your marriage. We have a whole week to study this book. Was traded for 
beside my Savior. By grace I am redeemed, by grace I am restored, and now Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I like that you've got the wool over your eyes. Cause it suits me fine to know that you don't even realize. I like the way that you don't question anything. And I love the way that you go along. With everything I've got you under my control And you, you don't even know You don't even know And I've got you under my control And you, you don't even know And you don't even know Just don't think about it Live life to the full It doesn't really matter what's really real Keep that veil real close, oh, don't peek through It doesn't really matter what's really true And it suits me just fine It suits me just fine Cause you're trapped in your habits and you don't realize what you've lost
waiting for the world to produce more entertaining things. Keep our mind occupied. When's the next storyline? Well, I can't wait to see what they'll think of next. And oh, give me more of the games of Thrones. Cause I like keeping up with the Joneses. Don't really mind who was Moses. And when's the next YouTube session? I've got a Netflix obsession. I'll be fine, just take up all my time And it suits me just fine It suits me just fine My, oh my, what a lost little child You're entangled in lies I have the best intentions for you And I don't want anyone else to be Lord of your life Lord of your life I want everything good for you I've tried to show you But people mind my name People make you afraid of me That's not what I'm like, oh Search for me and know me for yourself For yourself back to Faith FM. You're listening to Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. And I'm going to hit you. Uh, let's, do, let's do a couple more clues. Uh, I think, yeah, let's, I'm going to do two more clues for this quiz. Uh, this is the Who Am I quiz. The last clue, clue we heard was, of course, um, that I made, oh, hang on a sec. Let me just turn on my Instagram. <clears throat> that I made Daniel the third highest ruler in my kingdom. But the next clue is King Nebuchadnezzar was my father. And I'm going to give you the last clue right now. I saw a hand appear from nowhere and write on my palace wall the words many, many tekel parson. And my name begins with the letter B, B for Bravo. Give me a call if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. 1-800-324-843. Winners, of course, will get this really wonderful book. 44 surprising quotes about the Bible. Really lovely book. Uh, definitely good for yourself or good for a gift. But for now, it is time for question of the day. Lyle, Indeed it is. Let's have question of the day. You are potentially in strife here. Someone has asked a really great question. A most difficult question, yes. Will we find an answer for it? Let's see what we can come up with. I can't wait for someone to ask you a question you don't know. Okay, so here it is. Question of the day. Well, this is one I don't know. 
Oh, this, ooh, ooh, yes. Okay, great. But I do have some information on it. Okay. Is Mary from Magdala the same as Mary from Bethany? Okay, and this is a really good question because um, we have Mary from Bethany, who is the sister of Lazarus and Martha. And then you have Mary from Magdala, who is known as Mary Magdalene, um, or Mary Magdalene, as we uh, typically pronounce it um, in in English, who is the the woman who is a great sinner. She is a an adulterer. She is a prostitute. And she was forgiven by God and had seven demons cast out of her. Are these two people the same people? Now, just because they come from different cities does not really, or described as being coming from different cities, does not mean that they are different people. Um, in my opinion, yes, these are the same people. Okay. However, the Bible does not specifically define that. And so it's debated by you know scholars backwards and forwards. There are strong arguments one way, there are strong arguments the other way. I'll give you some of the arguments that I think are somewhat compelling to show that they are the one and the same person. Okay, why would she be described as Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha? What is interesting is that she's never described as Mary from Bethany. She's either you either in the Bible you have Mary from from Magdala, or you have Mary the sister of Lazarus and Martha, Lazarus and Martha, who are from Bethany. So we know that you know they are from Bethany. It's very likely that if Mary fell into sin or was, as we, um, as we, as, as is indicated in, you know, the, the feast at Simon's house, was led into sin, um, and became a prostitute, that she would choose to move to a different region. That's, there's a, there's a very likely possibility. And so to move from Bethany, which is in Judea, to Magdala, which is in Galilee, would make a lot of sense if you're going to, um, go down the path of prostitution. Therefore, she can be a person who comes from two places. Of course, after she gives her life to Jesus Christ, has a conversion experience, we would expect her to move back to her family, which are in Bethany with Lazarus and Martha. That would Martha. That would be a, a reasonable expectation. Okay, so there's a couple of things that uh, that you're going to find if you uh, look at the story in the Bible of um, the woman caught in adultery. Um, this is the story of a woman who has been condemned to death. She's under the death penalty. She's been caught in adultery. She has been caught in the act of adultery. Um, and you kind of wonder, how were they actually able to do that? Well, probably because they were paying for services because she was a prostitute so that they could trap her and bring her as a trap to Jesus to find out what Jesus would do if she was somebody that Jesus had already been attempting to minister to, it would make that argument even more powerful. And immediately following that story, you have this passage that talks about the women who followed Jesus. It mentions another a number of women or women disciples who were followers of Jesus. And Mary Magdalene is the only one who is listed right after this story of whom we have a bunch of additional information. So we know this about Mary uh, from Magdala. We know that she was a woman who was a, a, a sinner. We know that she was a woman who seven demons were cast out of. She was a woman who'd come from a very, very dark place and who was a devoted follower of Jesus. Then this is what we know about Mary from Bethany. Mary from Bethany um, was the same Mary who anointed the feet of Jesus 
at the house of Simon just before Jesus was crucified, and it was the same Mary who is also described as having been a great sinner and being forgiven of a great amount of sins. And so if you put that all together, there is a very, very powerful case to say that these are one and the same person, along with the fact that tradition has always said that, uh, you know, from the earliest centuries have said that these are the same person. Not that tradition is the same as scripture, but it has always been maintained. Or it could just be less complicated. You could say you're Lyle from Tasmania, but you could also say you're Lyle from Newcastle. Exactly. So, yeah. Thank you so much for answering that question, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call. Our number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. <laughs>
You're listening to Toron Wells with Noon here on Faith FM, and we have come to the end of the breakfast show, which means we are about to give something away. What is it that we're giving away today? Yes, there, considering our topics today, we are giving away a really great book by Dustin Hall. It's called Love's Lies, God's Replies. Oh, this is outstanding. Yes. On the back it says, God cares about your love life. Since he created love, sex, and romance, true love is actually a reflection of his character. For this reason, an enemy, that being Satan, has devised a diabolical plan to steal love's true identity. Satan wants to enchant your mind, take hold of your heart, and destroy your love story. He's overtaken the name, the name love in the minds of millions all over the world already. When they think of love, they think of it a deeply distorted version of love. Um, and, and so much of this deception is actually addictive as well. A lot of people are falling into different kinds of addiction uh, that are you know related to love life and sex and romance. So this book is an incredible book. Uh, it's written by Pastor Dustin Hall. Um, it brings to life biblical answers to the most common questions people have about love, sex, and relationships. Um, and if you would like a copy of this book, just be the first person to give us a call right now. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. 1-800-324-843. First person who will get a copy of Love's Lies, God's Replies. Fantastic book right there. And of course, as we mentioned yesterday, we have an entire course on the subject of love and relationships. And uh, there's even a part two that goes into raising children, which is just really, really good material. Um, you can study that course, get a certificate for completing it through the uh, Adventist Discovery Center. And we can get you in contact with them to do that course. Um, give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. We can make that happen for you anywhere in Australia. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news with The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. In the meantime, we hope you have a wonderful, blessed day. And stay tuned for more great programming. We're going to kick that off with Francesca Bettist. Better. How do you pronounce that, Lyle? Whatever. The song's called If We're Honest, and it's great. Enjoy. See you tomorrow. Truth is harder than a lie The dark seems safer than the light And everyone has a heart that loves to hide I'm a mess and so are you 
Where the soul is finally ready 